Today's episode of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network. Still online, hittingthemarks.com. We're also brought to you by the Hameen Media Group, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Available at the Podcast World Hustle, pwhustlenetworks.com. You can also find us over at ndpw.com and at thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Look us up on your favorite podcast listening app, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, iHeartRadio, even Pandora. Just search Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Hameen Media, sponsored by Vince Russo's The Brand, as well as The Brosters, the official coffee of Mr. Vince Russo. Also brought to you by Stevie Richards Fitness and, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com, the only place to get the best merch from all of your favorite independent wrestlers as well as a lot of the New Japan talent. On today's show, I'm joined by Mighty Joe Moon from Turnbuckle Talk, Mr. Joe Morin, to discuss Sengoku Lord, the big match between Evil and Hiromu. This conversation was recorded on Sunday. Originally, I planned on releasing this episode on Monday, but with the New Japan press conference, I wanted to wait a day before its release. And we also have a big stardom update this week, so let's go ahead and get into it. But first, my friends from Down Under, this is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. All right, so let's talk some stardom. Uh, I got a couple of shows. I was a couple of shows behind on stardom. So what I'm going to do this week, I'm going to uh, basically review the July 17th stardom show as well as the July 23rd Osaka show. Um, and then we will do another episode where we get into the shows on the 24th and the 26th from Nagoya as well as Corrigan Hall. We'll go ahead and start things off with the July 17th Explode Into Summer event, which came to us from Corrigan Hall. Show starts off like so many of these shows are here lately. Rena defeats Hina, the two twins out there, just absolutely tearing stuff down. I got to admit, though, watching Rena here lately, it's been very, very odd. She looks so much like Hina Kimura. It's, it's kind of creepy. I, I enjoy it, but the constant reminder is also a bit much to take. Also got to see Utami and Riho team up to take on the team of Saki Kashima and Natsu Samir, Riho's one-year anniversary in stardom. And it seems like Utami is trying to recruit Riho to Queen's Quest, Utami offering Riho protection during the match. And then, of course, we would see Queen's Quest attack Utami and Riho before the bell. Very, very interesting dynamic going on between Utami and Riho. It's going to be interesting to see if people keep trying to recruit Riho or if this is just a Queen's Quest kind of thing. Siri and Haimika defeat the team of Jungle Kayona and Death Yamasan. Mayu Iwatani and Starlight Kid defeat the team of Momo as well as AZM from Queen's Quest. Momo seems to have her eyes on Mayu Iwatani. So after we see the big matchup between Mayu Iwatani and Jungle Kayona that happens on the 24th show, it sure seems that Momo has her eyes on the red belt. Also inside this match, we saw a terrible botch between Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani. Not something that we see very typically, especially out of Mayu. 
Happy to see both girls are all right. But, man, there was some scary spots throughout this matchup uh, on the build to the high-speed title match. Micah versus Saya versus Tall Saya for the future of Stardom Championship. And I tell you what, if you want to enjoy a three-way match, Stardom has got this thing on lock. The way that this thing works... Not only do you have to pin one of your opponents to win the match, you have to pin both of your opponents in order to win the match. So this is how this thing works out. Once you pin somebody, that person is out of the match, and then you have to pin the other one. If the other person wins, then the original first person that was eliminated, they get back into the match. So during the course of this match, we see Tall Saya defeat Saya. Micah then defeats Tall Saya, which brings the original Saya back into the match. So you have Saya versus... Micah, then Tall Saya defeats Saya, Micah defeats Tall Saya, and then Micah finally defeats Saya in order to claim the future of Stardom Championship. Yeah, incredibly confusing. Uh, this is one of those, if you're invested in Stardom, if you're invested in the future of Stardom Championship, go back and watch the match because it was absolutely fantastic. But boy, trying to keep track and being able to break this thing down, absolute cluster of a match. Really, really happy to hear that Micah has signed full-time with Stardom. She has resigned from Just Tap Out, Takamichi Noki's promotion. Um, looking forward to seeing big, big things out of Micah going forward. Also on this show, we have the Wonder of Stardom Tournament Semifinals. Julia defeats Konami in 19 minutes and 4 seconds with the Glorious Driver. Konami, an absolute star-making performance. She actually dominates most of this match, and it just seems like Julia just playing Cotter. And then we also saw Tam Nakano defeat Natsuko Tora, the leader of Oedo Tai. Tora is absolutely killing it right now whether it's the promos whether it's the attacks before the matches it also helps when you're in there with the ultimate baby face and tam nakano this match i really really enjoyed because not only is this probably the best match that i've seen out of natsuko tora it was also really really nice to see what happens when heel antics go wrong and they end up facing off Team and Julia face off at the end of this matchup as they prepare for the white belt finals. These two girls just do not like each other. They, they are the, pretty much the epitome of frenemies. I tell you what, I have seen the matchup between Tam and Julia. We'll cover that on the next episode here of Destino and New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. You will not be disappointed. Go find that match. Let's talk about the uh, July 23rd show in Osaka. Death beats AZM to start off the show, and my head immediately wanted to explode. Beating Azumi at this point, especially as she's getting ready to face off for a big championship match. It, the booking here just made absolutely zero sense to me, which is something that, at least when I look at stardom, the booking typically makes sense. This one just left me shaking my head. Absolutely. Momo and Utami defeat the team of Kid and Saya. Momo once again with comments on Mayu Iwatani. And yet another win for Utami inside of this match. On the next episode, we will be talking about the five-star Grand Prix announcements, the red blocks and blue blocks. Utami, yeah, kind of my pick to go and win the entire five-star Grand Prix this year. It's going to be very, very interesting. Haimika defeats Saya Kamatani. That's Tall Saya for those keeping track at home. Jungle Kayona and Konami defeat the team of Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakano as they lead up to Jungle and Mayu's big match on the July 24th show for the Red Belt. And then we also saw the Artist of Stardom Trios titles, Donald Demendo, the team of Julia, Shiri, and Micah defeat Queen's Quest team of Natsuko Tora, Saki Kashima, as well as Natsu Samir. 
So like I said, we're only going to go over those two shows. July 24th in Nagoya, you have Julia, Micah, Shuri, and Haimika versus Momo, AZM, Utami, and Saya. Big DDM versus Queen's Quest matchup there. Riho and Tam Nakano versus Natsuka Tora and Natsu Samir. Saya versus Konami. Saki Kashima versus Starlight Kid versus Death Yamasan. The Red Belt for Mayu Iwatani versus Jungle Kayona, their first meeting in Kayona's hometown. On the next show, we'll also be talking about the July 26 Korokan show, which features the White Belt Tournament Finals, the High Speed Championship, Riho defending against Starlight Kid and AZM, as well as Micah versus Momo Watatabe. So that's it for this week's stardom segment. We'll go ahead, we'll throw it over to the break. A word from our friends at the Brosters, as well as this week's Midwest Music Mafia feature, coming to us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My good friend Hobbs with his boys, 9mm Solution. We'll be right back with Mighty Joe Morin to discuss Sengoku Lord on the other side. Stick around. Bro, if you're a real coffee lover, then you've got to try Brosters Limited Edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Available right now at www.thebroasters.com. This limited edition coffee is fresh roasted weekly and shipped directly to your door. You will love the Nicaraguan blend with roasted chocolatey notes when you smell it. Get your Vince Russo Bro Coffee today at thebroasters.com and follow them at Coffee Broasters today on Twitter. Enjoy the best coffee today, bro. From Broasters, Vince Russo Brand, and Hameen Media Group. So we are back with Big Joe Morin. You know, every time I see your name, uh, I I, I want to call you Mighty Joe Moon. That 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 might be my new nickname for for Joe Morin is Mighty Joe Moon. Maybe that's what we'll close the podcast with this week is Mighty Joe Moon. Uh, Joe, you you are the second time on Destino, and this time we are here to talk Sengoku Lord in Nagoya. But man, since the last time I talked to you, there's been an awful lot happened in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, why, why don't you just give us a little bit of an update, just kind of what you have thought of the, the finals of New Japan Cup, what you thought of Dominion, kind of everything leading to Sengoku. 
I've really been enjoying it for the most part. I mean, there's been some funky stuff here and there, but I mean, compared to what we're doing over on the WWE side, which I unfortunately <laughs> still have to talk about on Turnbuckle Talk, uh, it's been enjoyable for the, for the most part. Uh, the booking decisions, I mean, you could take them or leave them, but I, I've been enjoying the aspect of New Japan for Wrestling that, that I really dig. It's the storytelling happening inside the ring instead of all this other bullshit going on, and uh, that, that's where I've really been appreciating there has been an awful lot of storytelling going on. Of course, we are going to talk about Hiromu and Evil. We're going to talk about Okada and the Tokyo Pimp, because for one reason or another, that's a thing. Shingo Takagi and Desperado, the Dangerous Techers, all kinds of stuff to talk about today. What is Okada's obsession with the submission, Slaley? It's oh, like he's man. obsessed with this. And it looks awful. It does look bad. Like, dude, just just go back to Red Ink. If you want a submission yeah. move, just go back to Red Ink. The Cobra Clutch just... Yeah. It looks Sergeant cool. Slaughter would not be pleased. No, no. Yeah. Pleased. Even Ted DiBiase would be pissed. Million Dollar Dream. I, I could, I, I've lost track of how many times in public school I've put in people in the Million Dollar Dream. We had, we had fun in uh, the, the schoolyard in school. Sharpshooters, Million Dollar Dreams. Yeah, we were basically wrestling in school. Yeah, well, you know, leave it to Canada. Leave it to Canada. Good times. All right. So so we got a Canadian and an American. Let's talk about Japan. This will be entertaining. Makes sense to me, right? Let's, uh, let's start things off. Taiji Ishimori versus Yuya Uamura. Eight minutes and two seconds via submission. I don't think it was any surprise whatsoever that Ishimori won this match. But, Joe, Uamura, my God. Like, I don't know. Like, I would have to go back probably to Okada. To see a young lion that I was just like, damn, this kid, he's just got money written all over him. The thing that I'm afraid of, I don't know what they're going to do because they can't send him on excursion. No, right now you can't. Yeah. It's been an impressive young lion class uh, going around. You have uh, Yurimura, you've got Yuta, you've got uh, Yuta Soji, who unfortunately didn't win the New Japan Cup, like my co-host Carter Carefull was hoping. Uh, Gabriel Kidd, I mean, these kids... They're not even really kids. I mean, damn, they're, they're impressive. And um, they've got some good stuff going on there. And, and this was uh, interesting because Ishimori, for quite a while, you know, I've known, <clears throat> excuse me, as a bone soldier in the Bullet Club, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a little something in my throat, um, kind of known as kind of the, the most boring or the, the most bland kind of guy in the Bullet Club. And uh, he's been stepping his game up lately. And I, I've actually been impressed. I love me some Ishimori. I, I've loved me some Ishimori since I saw him in Impact. I just there's something about that kid that just screams money to me. Unfortunately, you know he's all of like three foot tall and bulletproof. Um, but I did think it was interesting in listening to the post match comments uh, regarding this match. Ishimori putting over Uemura very very strong, which is not necessarily uncommon. No. But it kind of seemed like he was recruiting Uamura to the Bullet Club, which struck me as a little bit odd, of course, considering he's a young lion. If we can't do excursion, what what do you do with these guys? Do we just transition them out of being young lions and have them fall wherever they may? I mean, I... I I'm very perplexed how this system is going to work with nobody coming in or out of Japan. What I could see is um, almost kind of like a branch off faction of the Bullet Club surrounding the Young Lions. That could be something that uh, they could be looking at doing. And uh, I could kind of get behind that. You know, we've seen a bit of a resurgence of Bullet Club. Uh, I, I've been listening to your podcast since uh, you started. You're talking to the PW Hustle guys on this uh, most recent episode. Which, uh, I think it was kind of a uh, kind of an impromptu thing that was, wasn't necessarily an episode, but turned into one. And um, 
Yeah, it's is it not the first time it's been an all Japanese Bullet Club? Yeah, first time in seven years that every member of the Bullet Club is Japanese. Yep, which is interesting because this started out as a non-Japanese. Yeah, it wasn't Gaijin stable. Gotten completely the other direction, so it's uh it's been different, and uh, I hope that it can generate some more interest back in Bullet Club because it really has tapered off uh, in the last uh, couple of years, at least since the Elite have pieced out. Freaking elite, man. I'm one of these days I'm gonna have to do like a one hour podcast where I just bury the elite for an hour. It's interesting because they arguably it was when there was the most interest, but at the same time it did some damage uh while they were at it. So it's uh it's a bit of an odd period for the bullet club. Yeah, it sure. really is, depending especially if you want to look at it from an eastern prerogative or a western prerogative, you know. Absolutely. Can't put over Tomatonga's podcast enough. Anybody that wants like well, a full on history of Bullet Club and and from somebody that was there and watched all of it happen. Yeah. Thomas Island. That's the podcast to be listening to. You can't come back soon enough, man. I miss Tomatonga. Oh man. I, oh. I, I, I still like the idea of opening the forbidden door and letting the AEW talent just fall to the feet of Switchblade Jay White and the firing That's squad. Fantastic idea. I remember hearing you talk about that and I am one hundred percent behind that. Where is Tonga? Is he not in Japan? Florida. Is he in the States? He's in Florida. Uh, most uh, most crazy. of the That's Bullet crazy. Club is in Florida right now yeah. because they had come over for the the beach party at WrestleMania weekend, and then the travel ban hit, and they were just stuck. Yeah, they did let Al Phantasmo back into Canada though, so you know Bullet Club is representing the Great White North for sure. Uh, that would be fantastic. I mean, especially if most of these guys are in Florida, why not do an invasion of AEW? That would be that would generate some viewership, my friend. Like you would see a serious spike, and uh, you would have people calling and be like, "Hey, Bull Club is on AEW. You better tune in." We haven't seen something like that in a long time where it generate that kind of interest. The last time I've heard of something like that was actually outside of professional wrestling, and that was with um, Force Griffin and uh, what's his name, and then the finals of uh, of UFC. That was the last time that I could think of something sports entertainment ish kind of related to where this was happening, and people were calling and be like, "Hey, you gotta turn your TV on, find the channel, and watch this." That would be a moment. If you're not keeping up with every show, go back. I believe it's two episodes on the feed now. And uh, myself and Rick Vickery let out the case to open the forbidden door and make Switchblade Jay White not only the IWGP United States champion, but also the AEW World Heavyweight champion. I, th- I think there's a hell of a case to be made. Let's let's go back to Sengoku. Yes. Togi Makabe, Kojima, and Taguchi defeat the team of Gabriel Kidd, Toru Yano, and Tomohiro Ishii. 10 minutes and 25 seconds via German suplex Makabe to Gabriel Kidd. We were talking a little bit before we started recording. We got to talk about these millennial young lions because yep. we've got we've got people like Gabriel Kidd who are coming out and being like, you know what, we're not taking this crap anymore. We're not taking this BS from this older generation. So we're putting guys like Makabe on notice and Suzuki on notice and Nagata on notice. Has this kid got a death wish? Perhaps, but I mean, damn it, it's been impressive. Uh, this Gabriel Kid, kid, lack of a better term, um, very, very impressed. And I mean, he didn't get a whole lot of offense in this match, but I mean, damn, he looked good getting his ass kicked. If that makes sense, I mean, it was fantastic. He he looks great in there, and you could tell that uh, they're setting something up with 
Maccabi and uh, Great Road Kid, and that is a program uh, that is a few that I could get behind. That's and it's a very interesting mix going on there. I'm I'm very intrigued by this too because Gabriel Kidd keeps saying that he wants the 2010 version of Togi Makabe. He wants the Unchained Gorilla, and I almost feel like there's two different storylines going on here. Like not only are we seeing you know this this smartass millennial young lion talk smack to the older generation, yeah, but we're also seeing Makabe kind of be like. Damn, can I go back to even being the 2010 Togi Makabe, which I'm totally down for. Give me violent Togi Makabe instead of this almost comedy-esque kind of version of Makabe that we've gotten the last three, four years. Because God was in this match, there was enough comedy to go around uh, with Taguchi and Yano. Oh. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've tried to defend and try to be cool with Yano, but the more and more they watch, I mean, it's like, okay, it, it, it's, it's getting a little old. I, I get the appeal and I get the, the comedy aspect of it, but, uh, um, yeah, it's borderline slapstick at this point, but hey, if it works for him, I guess more power to you, my friend, uh, nominee for the, uh, destino year end awards. Cause that, that's going to be a thing. Uh, best comedy spot of the year. I think came from the match this morning where we saw basically these two teams square off once again. And Ryusuke Taguchi went to hit his hip attack on Tomohiro Ishii. And Tomohiro Ishii punched Taguchi in the ass so hard that I thought his fist was going to come out of Taguchi's cock. (laughs) It was amazing. <laughs> just a full on right hand to the asshole. See now I gotta watch that. That sounds like a thorough fisting. I it was it was great. I it, absolutely wonderful. You you had me at ass and uh punch. Um yeah, I'm gonna go watch that after we're done recording. It was it uh, was great. That, that was interesting. Uh <laughs> let, let, let let's flip things and go to LIJ because in case you haven't heard, ladies and gentlemen, there's a little bit of drama going on in LIJ over the course of the last couple of weeks. But you wouldn't know it in watching this match. Sonata, mm-hmm. Bushi, and Tetsuya Naito defeat the team of Sho, Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto. 10 minutes and 31 seconds when Sonata puts down Sho with the skull end. Yep. And Joe, this was a little odd to me because like, we've seen Tetsuya Naito lose both belts. Mm-hmm. We're, we're preparing for Shingo defending in his third title defense, the Never Open Weight Championship. We're preparing for Hiromu to challenge Evil for both belts. And Sonata, Bushi, and Naito are out there. They're kind of laughing and joking around and beating up referees and then letting them back in the ring. And then they beat them up again. It, it was It was a very odd kind of dynamic out of LIJ in this match. On the ending specifically, and we can go back and talk about the rest of it uh, after. But that what you just mentioned there with the referee, that whole interaction was really bizarre. And maybe I've missed something from previous shows to set up some context here, but it just it, it felt completely out of place. There was no justifying it. There was it was just it was very weird. It's like let's drag the the ref in here, let's kick his ass and get him out of the ring again. I just I didn't understand what they were going for there. I I, I, I didn't get it. I didn't it went, get it either. Either went over my head or went completely under my knees. I, I missed it. 
And it, it's been very odd because we've seen a couple of shows now with Tetsuya Naito without both the IWGP World Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Championships. Yeah. And to this point, at least, he seemed like he didn't really care. Like, mm. it almost was like a, a weight had been taking off of Naito's shoulders. He's, he's walking around. He's wearing his house show baseball jersey. And he's he's out there. Hell, he even made Sonata laugh at the end of this match. Like, Sonata actually broke a smile. I was floored. It, it, it just, the, the whole presentation of Naito since he lost the championships has felt very, very off to me. It, it seems like, and I'll, the three biggest names I'll name right off the top here, with Naito, with uh, Roshi Tanahashi, and with uh, Kota Ibushi, it feels like we're not necessarily burying these guys, but it's like they're just in the background, and we're just we're focusing on pushing up the uh, the young lions and the up and comers, but we're forgetting the marquee guys here, Jargo. That that's the impression I'm getting. Yeah, there, there's certainly something going on with Ibushi and Tanahashi. We'll talk about that in a minute. Got to be something going on because it's like these guys are just there. Yeah, it, it, it's a very odd dynamic. It uh, is very strange. We got to talk about show because show. We, we, we talk about the guys that have been elevated since New Japan returned. And show is on the short well, list. Yes. But show has now lost not once, but twice to Sonata. And this is not sitting very well with Show. And the post match after this one, we said we saw Show say, "Listen, I'm a guy that holds grudges. You beat me in the second round of the New Japan Cup, and I can't let that go. But now you beat me again tonight. So now you're two and zero against me, Sonata. And I want another singles match with Sonata so I can prove that I'm better than Sonata. I, I I'm I'm kind of worried here." Um, in either respect, because number one, Sonata cannot afford to take a loss to Sho Tanaka. But number two, I, I I hate to see Sho take another loss to Sonata. Something's got to give, man. Um, the, the, the funny thing is with Sho losing, I mean, he still looks great losing. Yeah. So it's like, can he really be damaged by an, a third loss? It's tough, man. That's tough. Um, and Sonata, you mentioned it before. Uh, it's like he's the um, the least interesting guy in the whole group there. And is it really Durgo just because he didn't come up through the young line system? I know you've mentioned this on more than one occasion. Is that uh, does this company really uh, hold that against him? Well, to an extent. And, and and while we say, with the exception of Bushi, because we know Bushi's there to eat pens. But otherwise, when you look at LIJ, and I'll even include Evil into this conversation, Mm -hmm. Sonata was kind of at the bottom. And it's not necessarily an indictment on Sonata. Look at the rest of LIJ. You've got Tetsuya Naito. You've got Hiromu Takahashi, arguably the two biggest stars in the company right now. You've got Shingo Takagi, who is just lighting the freaking world on fire. Evil leaves the faction, goes and, I don't know, wins two championships all in one fell swoop from Tetsuya Naito. Sonata's kind of the odd guy out even before you get to the whole New Japan dojo thing. And that's that's not an indictment against Sonata. It's just the rest of his faction's killing it right now. Yep. Is it a matter of he needs to he needs a change of scenery at this point? Well, this is all Hiroshi Tanahashi's fault. That and I, I firmly support that because like two years ago, 
coming up on three years ago, I want to say. Uh, Tanahashi was talking about starting the, the new faction of light. It was going to be a whole new faction of, of good guys. We're hearing about that. Yeah. And, and it seemed like, you know, the obvious choices for the first couple of members of Tanahashi's faction of light would be number one, Kota Ibushi, yep. number two, Sonata and Yoshihashi. So Tanahashi was really putting over Yoshihashi at that point. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, every faction has got to have a pin eater, but I, I, I would love to see Sonata get out of LIJ and, and, and in with somebody like a Tanahashi and a Bushi and kind of reinvent himself more in that, pardon the pun, light. Yeah, because it's it's so odd with him. I mean, that the talent is obviously there. Just It's like wrong place at the wrong time. And it really just feels like it's almost as simple as that. Well, and, and the other problem is the gimmick. I, I, I love Sonata, and I know a lot of people love Sonata. Shout out to the PW Hustle. Um, like the Slug? Well, I, I just, he doesn't have any personality. Like, how are you going to put somebody whose entire gimmick is, I have no personality and I show no emotion yeah. in the top spot? Like, it, it just, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Like, you're going to have Sonata holding the microphone and cutting promos at the end of every night and thanking the fans for showing up and, you know, we couldn't have done this without you and we need your support. And it, no. It doesn't work yet. He hasn't built that up yet. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. You know, it's, and it's it, so hard with him because the talent is so clearly and obviously there. It's just it's um, yeah, it's just a, he's a victim of circumstance. I think might be a good way to kind of put it. Well, and I also don't think that it helps that originally when Sonata was coming up, right? So yeah. not only does he not go through the do- dojo, he goes and gets trained by Muda, right? Yeah, and and but he is basically earmarked. Like, he is going to be the future of All Japan. And they pushed him to the top of the card at All Japan, and he failed miserably. Yeah. You know, and that, that I think they can hold against him. What are the odds that it's enough to drive him away and to go, say, to like a WWE or an Impact or an AEW? Is, do you think it could get to the point where it's enough to scare him off? Anything is possible. I mean, that happened to Shinsuke Nakamura, and he came through the dojo system, you know? So, I mean, I, you can't say that it's not possible at all. But it was also Sonata's dream to always work for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and now he finds himself there. And it took him an awful long time to get there. I, I, I just don't see him being like, all right, I, I, I live my dream. Peace out. I'm going to go, like, to NXT and be he who, sh- he who shall not be named. Right. Um, I'm just I'm wondering if I mean, right now, obviously, the timing isn't right for this, just given what's going on in the world. But I think he's somebody that could have really benefited from uh, like a two year excursion somewhere else and really kind of built himself up, got a little bit more cred and then come back and really, you know, whether it's reinvented himself or to, just to spice things up, because yeah, it just it feels bland really with him. And it's unfortunate because you can see the talents right there just brewing under the surface. Did you ever see any of Sonata's work when he was in TNA? I did not see any of his work in TNA. Uh, you, you should go back and find some of that because you will be floored because his character is basically the exact opposite of what we now know as Sonata. In other words, he's basically Hiromu. Interesting. Yeah, he's see, just, that, that interests me. He's he's just like this ball of energy who can't stop bouncing, and it's so. 
So why can't he be that New Japan? Are they are they holding him back, or is this him just scared to pull the trigger? Like, I just don't get it with him. I think it, it could yep. be a combination of both. Like, I mean, you, you don't want to turn him into Hiromu because we already have a Hiromu. You, right, have you a, know, right. can't have two batshit crazy guys in one uh, faction, right? And and there is a certain skill to remaining emotionless, to being the cold skull. Like that can't be an easy role to play. No, you know, yeah. It's it's odd with him. It's yeah. really, really odd. Shout outs to the hustle. I, I I know that they always they always get very very excited when we talk about Sonata. <laughs> uh, uh, let, let let's talk about our our boy Ice T Shane and his favorite pro wrestler Taichi, uh, <laughs> Taichi and Zack Saber Junior. Uh, the the dangerous techers. Um, yep. Not only did they claim the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships from the Golden Aces, but now Taichi's just being a dick. Yeah, I know he's in Suzuki Goon, but he's being an even bigger dick than normal, right? So the the new storyline is no, you can't have a rematch. Not unless you come over here on your knees at my feet and beg me for one. That's what was going on this morning uh, at, at Summer Struggle with with Taiji standing on top of the title and telling Tanahashi get down on his freaking knees. <laughs> but so not only is he telling this to the ace. We're also getting a little bit of dissension between Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi because yeah. Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. have said, Tanahashi, you cannot have a rematch. But Ibushi, mm-hmm. Ibushi, if you want a shot, we'll give you a shot. You just got to find yourself a new tag team partner. You know, well, what was odd for me, to, and going right back to the beginning of the match, there were a couple of things here that I need to kind of point out that I thought was really strange. This is for just... For somebody, you know, like Jerga, myself and uh, and yourself, you know, we do a lot of production work with our podcasts. You know, we look at a lot of the kind of minute details. A lot of times, to our detriment, sometimes we look too far into things, and that could be the case here. But I want to point out a couple of things. Tai Chi coming in, and then the other entrances started happening, and he's still like pretending to sing into that microphone prop that he's got. That was a bit of an odd thing. And one thing that I actually chuckled at was when Tanahashi went to go. Uh, up into the corner, there was actually a guy like blocking the corner and Tana just stands there and like he motions for the guy to leave. So like, he can climb. that I kind of popped for that. That actually moment. happens pretty frequently with Tanahashi. And he just he was like, get the fuck out of the way. So I can, yeah, you know. I'm doing my pose. Move. Yeah. Get on my corner, asshole. But um, Tana must pose. What, one of my favorite things though, is we, we, we still, we got Suzuki and Nagata still beating the piss out of each other. Uh, I popped for that as well. Yes, uh, Nagata and Suzuki have renewed their their violent ways um, yeah. it, to the point that in the post match, Suzuki says, "Let's do it, let's mm-hmm. do it again." Nagata yeah. Suzuki one on one. It yeah. will be Nagata's public execution. I can watch those two fight forever. I can, I can. I don't even need English captions to know what Minoru Suzuki is saying because he is so intense when he says it that all he has to you you hear Nagata and then a bunch of angry ramblings and you're just like man Nagata is gonna get a fucking (laughs) god right Right? and then you see the 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 sub captions and it's like public execution oh my god that's even more terrifying than what I thought he said yeah for me, that that was just like the the real kind of stand up from this match I mean these other guys I I will attempt to say this guy's name again i'm gonna probably butcher uh yoshinobu kanemaru yes yes You're coming along it. there mighty joe moon <laughs> and then uh doki uh 
Yep, the, and Master Watto. Um, oh my God, Master Watto. What is that? Master Watto, what is that? Master, I have to ask because I don't know what that is. Master Watto. <laughs> th- this is the best explanation that I have come up with for Master Watto. <laughs> okay. Master Watto is John Cena. That's right. I got a spit take out of Mighty Joe Moon. A literal spit take live on air. <laughs> Here's the thing. Wow. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm all yours. New Japan Pro Wrestling has just returned to primetime television for the first time in over 30 years. They're on every Friday night in primetime. Master Wado is there for the kids. Master Wado is there to sell t-shirts. He's there to be colorful. He's there to get beat up by the, the bullies. And then, you know, he, he rallies back and he takes out the bullies and the kids all love Master Wado because they can relate to Master Wado. Master Wado is John Cena. Hmm. Because I, I have no knowledge of this guy previous. Like, uh, um, well, he was a young lion. Uh, returned, he just returned from excursion from CMLL. Oh, yeah. um, I know him. Kawato is actually his full last name. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had a lot of hopes for Wado. I really did. Uh, because Wado, he kind of found himself while he was down in Mexico, found himself working that bit more high flying style, dyed his hair blue. Mm. Looked like uh, Suzuki wanted to rip that hair out of his head, by the way. But he's buddies with Hiromu. And I kind of thought, oh, well, when Wado returns from excursion, he can come back and be Bushi's tag partner. He can join LIJ. He's got that kind of, you know, the blue hair and everything. He looks rather ungovernable, <laughs> you know, but nope. no, That's nope. Much. Master Wado. Master Wado. Yeah. Um, and interesting. I uh, wanted maybe I got to see it a few more times, but uh, didn't do a whole lot for me. That like that character. It's the strangest return from excursion I've ever seen. It is odd. And like I had mentioned, uh, you know, two big notable names here, Kotobushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, largely irrelevant uh, in this master law. Shenanigans going outside the ring that, you know, unless you were there in the crowd, you didn't really get a chance to see much of it during the show. Well, and and we talked about this before we started recording Mm -hmm. because you made a comment about how you you didn't care for the 10-man clusterfuck tag. And I said, I actually really, really like the 10-man tag. And here's why. Yep. Ibushi and Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. That's a program that's been established. It's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Nagata Mm -hmm. and Suzuki goes back to the first round of the New Japan Cup when they renewed hostilities. Really, really like that. Master Wado, well, he's getting ready to face off with Kanemaru, and he just came out of a feud with Doki, and he's being accompanied by Tenzan. He's kind of working as, as Wado's heavy right now. Everybody inside of this match has a storyline going on against somebody else from the other faction inside of this match. And it doesn't feel like these two teams were forced together because, I mean, clearly you have all members of Suzuki Goon and then Ibushi, Tanahashi, Nagata, Tenzan, and Wado. Yeah, I could see all these guys going out and and maybe throwing back a cold one while Ibushi watches on. You know, like I, I could see that. Like, all these personalities seem like they fit and they've all got storylines going on back and forth between each other. I, I really like this 10 man. 
it really has more of an organic feel uh, with these storylines and these interactions going on, especially when we compare it up against some North American wrestling, uh, especially those three letters that we love to talk about. And we know you how mean, forced. You mean you didn't like it when in this match, when, when, when you know, Kota Ibushi went to go and pin Tai Chi, but, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. pulled him out and, and knocked the referee out. And then he took off the referee's shirt and he put on the referee's shirt. And then oh. he counted the pinfall to give the win to Suzuki Goon. You didn't like that in this match? Oh, wait, that didn't happen. That didn't happen, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, that was yep. that, that was yep. another company. I was listening to you tell it. I'm like, did you watch them in difference from what I was watching? Because uh, I don't know, man. But, uh, yeah, it's... And uh, the, the thing is that this was probably my least favorite uh, match on this card, but I mean, it was still, they did some good business here and the storylines don't feel forced. They're not being rammed down our throats, which is uh, always a good thing. Yeah. We'll talk about rammed down your throats because we do, we do have that kind of going on in new Japan right now, but we'll get there. We'll get yes. There. Uh, first, we got to talk about the Tokyo pimp. Yes, in case of emergency, break glass storyline has been cashed in. It's Kazuchika Okada, the Rainmaker, the greatest, arguably, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion of all time versus Yujiro Takahashi Mm -hmm. in a feud that is six years old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there, there's even history going back here. And I love Yujiro in the post-match talking about how, you know, I was in the class ahead of Tetsuya Naito. I was in the class ahead of Kazuchika Okada. And I was doing pretty good. And then they came back from excursion. And where did that leave me? Yeah. You can get behind it. You can get Yujiro's logic. But Yujiro's not on Okada's level. I mean, come on. Even Okada's just like, come on. Yujiro's not on my level. No, not even close. Uh, Okada just, it feels with him like... It's like he's out of his element here. This isn't the Rainmaker that I'm used to seeing. This isn't the Rainmaker that stole the show at All In. This isn't the Rainmaker that I believe held the IWGP world title longer than anybody else. This isn't the Rainmaker that I know. It was weird. His obsession with wanting to end these matches with this botched Sergeant Slaughter camel clutch move that he's doing that it's like it's backwards or whatever the hell that is. Uh, I don't know what he's going for for here, Jargo. I know that there's something there, but I don't know what it is. He's obsessed with these submission moves, and I mean something behind it. I just don't know what it is. The the I will say this: number one, the Cobra Clutch. it, It looks awful. It just it looks awful, even when it's done right. But it makes sense for Okada because so much when you go back and you watch the classic Okada matches, right? They always focus in on the him having wrist control and it's, and it's just set up for the, the short arm clothesline. It's just set up for the rainmaker. But when he puts on that Cobra clutch, he puts it on the same way. He has control over the same wrist. So it's only logical that at some point we're going to see this, awful looking Cobra clutch is it it's going to become a Cobra clutch rainmaker combo, right? Like if you're playing Tekken and you're using King, you know, (laughs) you're going to, you're going to have yourself the rainmaker combo. It's coming. But in the meantime, it just looks like shit. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, like I said, a love Okada, but I'm just not feeling him right now. And it's like, he's, 
kind of the odd man out. We've got all these other storylines and feuds going on. And like I said, this was just kind of the bailout program for him. So at least we got something for him. So at least he's not just playing with himself. Well, well, you know, a, a lot of guys enjoy playing with themselves, but I've seen pictures of Okada's wife, and it, it, I don't think he's one of those people. Um, Google search after the show's over. There, there are a <laughs> couple of interesting things going on with Okada. Number one, evidently Okada has a proposal. We don't know what the proposal is, yeah, but it sounds like it's a crazy proposal, and he wants to throw that out there. And so hopefully we'll get more information on that coming soon. I'm guessing it probably has something to do with them running the baseball stadium because Okada is obsessed with baseball. So I'm sorry. What was that? A big show for them. Yeah, it, it should be. And especially it, they're doing it outdoors so they can bring in more people. Um, yep. I, I'm looking forward to it, especially because uh, Japan recently just issued an order where they can't have more than 5,000 people at any gathering. So uh, Tokyo Dome kind of looking like it's up in the air right at the moment. Yeah, that would look very strange with uh, 5,000 or less in it. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, doing this outdoor venue at a baseball stadium, that could be something that some of our North American promotions here might be watching and seeing. Because, I mean, we got to start running some uh, North American shows with some with some fans soon. we we got to start soon. Yeah. Just no. on a little side tangent that it's got to start happening soon. Because uh, a, a lot of these crowdless shows, I'm getting tired of watching them. i got to be brutally honest. Have have the Japanese shows been odd for you? Where it's basically it's like it's like watching golf because they're instruct you you can't cheer, you can't boo. If you do, you will be thrown out of the building. Like all they can do is golf clap. This is not really that different from how they usually are, anyways. Though I know, but it, you could really yeah. tell it. Like in the main event, that crowd wanted to get behind Hiromu so badly, and all they could do was clap. I don't know if that's coming through in the recording, but that's essentially what we got. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty oh. much been it the last couple of shows. You pumping with hands. But, uh, I mean, at least we got some reaction. We got some people there. It just adds a little bit to the atmosphere. Like I said, these empty arena shows, man, I get fucking sick and tired of them. I'm just going to say it. One thing that did uh, excite me, though, was Kazuchika Okada backstage saying, you know, I think maybe it's time that I challenge for the the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship again. I I don't care about the Intercontinental title. Like why why do we even have an Intercontinental title? But you know, I do want I do want my title back. So yep. and he's like, "You know, maybe I should challenge." And then it occurs to him, "Wait a minute. I'm Kazuchika fucking Okada." Right? I'm not challenging for shit. I will be the next challenger for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship because I'm Okada, and that's what I say is going to happen. There you go. But he might have some competition there. Um, I just, I, I, I love that Okada. I love the <laughs> Okada that's just like, you know, maybe I should do. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm fucking Okada. Right. Yeah. I don't need to justify this. I'm just going to go take. I'm not playing your fucking games. I want my belt back. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that's that. That's the card I want to see. First, before we talk about the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and what happened there, we have to talk about the Never title, which is currently the most exciting thing in all of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I will say, spoiler alert for those who watch Turnbuckle Talk uh, for our Match of the Week segment, is going to be this match right here. 
couldn't your match of the week segment just simply be called what Shingo did this week? Pretty much. Pretty much. This is fan. Shingo. This is this is my favorite match of the show. This is my favorite match of this past week. Shingo is just freaking killing it. Amazing, man. He's amazing. And uh, th- these matches of where where we're targeting we're targeting the right damaged part of the body, you know, we're not changing partway through matches and forgetting what's going on here. We have consistent psychology happening in the ring. We've got targeting of limbs and we've got just it's um just fantastic. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Uh, I thought I'm um, looking at it, 17 minutes. It felt longer than that, but I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I didn't feel like a drag on. I like I, I could have watched these guys go for another 30 minutes. Well, and I know that you're really, really high on El Desperado. Um, and of course, so is New Japan leading up to like that jaw guys. injury. You know, Des- Desperado was in for a big push. What did you think of seeing Desperado in a singles match against a bona fide heavyweight like Shingo? Fantastic. I thought both guys held their own in there. It was great back and forth. I, like I said, this went just shy of just over 17 minutes. I, this could have been 45 minutes. I could have, uh, I would have thoroughly enjoyed all of it. It was absolutely amazing. Desperado absolutely been elevated up the card. Um, yeah. and, and I'm happy to see that. Um, yeah. and Shingo too. And Shingo. Well, Shingo, I, Shingo is, he's kind is of like another, is this guy another kind of like a Shinsuke Nakamura in the making? That's almost what this feels like to me. I kind of feel like he's like Daniel Bryan. Like I, I, I feel like New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be forced to push Shingo because Shingo is so freaking good that the fans just aren't going to stand for it any other They're way. Towards him. They're gravitating towards him, clearly. Yep. So yeah, it's, like, it's like he's like a combination of of all of these great elements from these big name talents that we know. It's like it's all. You know, packed into this guy. Like it just it's fantastic. And and he's the perfect never champion because he can work either style because now it looks like his next title defense is being set up. And at first I was like, wait a minute, are are are, are we gonna elevate Yoshihashi and put Yoshihashi in the ring with Shingo? Like I know Shingo can have a four star match with a broomstick, but I mean, he'd have to in there with Yoshihashi, but after seeing the matches from this morning, I'm thinking it's going to be Goto. I think we're going to get Hiroki Goto versus Shingo Takagi, and and finally, maybe I can see what everybody else seems to see in freaking Hiroki Goto but me, because finally I'm going to see a good Goto match. Yeah. I'll say it. Uh, Hiroki Goto is a poor man's Shingo Takagi. Hiroki Goto is more like the poor man's Roman Reigns. The company just keeps pushing him and pushing him, and the fans just don't. Yeah. No, no, Say you're no. Nope. Thank you. You're, nope. You're fucking Goto. Come yeah, on. Go, no. Just go. No. I, I couldn't think of a good pun there, so I'll leave it alone. Well, you know, I you, you could use Togo, but no. you know, uh, unfortunately, Togo is taken. Yep, Dick to go. We, we would see Dick Togo an awful lot in our main event as Evil puts down Hiromu Takahashi in 33 minutes and 57 seconds. Even yeah. though Hiromu was as protected as you can be in losing a match. Like, he clearly had Evil pinned for, like, a six count at one point. Yeah. It, it, was, there, was there any chance in hell that they could have given Hiromu the title here? No. I, I, don't think that they could have no uh as much as i would have loved to have seen it but now i will say this in seeing hiromu in this match and in seeing the rise of hiromu 
really since he's returned from excursion, but especially since he has returned from injury. Yeah. I I do feel like it's going to happen. I, I feel like it will happen where Hiromu Takahashi at some point will hold the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship at the same time. This is this is Hiromu's Tokyo Dome. This is he wants the main event. He wants to be the first person to hold both the junior title and the heavyweight title at the same time. Because I was just going to ask if that's ever been done. Nope. And it hasn't, right? So, yeah, I mean, who Hiromu's only the third junior to ever challenge for the heavyweight title. Interesting. And, and as for Evil, I just I don't know if I buy him being the face of the company. Uh, I know I'm not talking face. I'm not talking good guy. I'm talking being the guy, being the champion. I, I just, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about still about their choice of going with Evil. I, I just, I, I don't know. Was this the best Evil match that you've ever seen? Yeah, yeah, but still, I just said uh, something just doesn't click with with me and with him. It's it's starting to for me. Yeah, it does. It still doesn't click with me. I mean, for me, so far since New Japan has returned from quarantine, yeah, we've seen him put down Sonata. We've seen him put down Okada. We've seen him put down Naito. Now we've seen him put down Hiromu. And I feel like those series of four matches are the four best matches I've ever seen out of Evil. Like it's starting to click for me. I just don't know why they picked him. Of all, of 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 all, I mean, we went into it. We both, you know, we were pitching for Tanahashi, given you know the, all the the public image and all of the. The, the PR that he was doing, you know, Hiromu, I mean, Ibushi, I mean, there's just, or Naito, I mean, just there, there's so many names. I just like evil, maybe not right at the bottom of my, on my list, but just, I, I, I just, I'll say it again. I don't know why they picked him. I just, I, I still can't really wrap my head around it. I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get behind it. I, I'm starting, I'm starting to like the Dallas, the, 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 the darkness club. Talk me off the ledge. Uh, how is evil being the champion a good thing? Talk well, me off the ledge, sir. Here's the thing. New Japan's missing about 20 talents. And that's true. And a lot of them are at the upper end of the card, especially when you start getting into Bullet Club and Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, um Tom well, Tom. Just just in Bullet Club. I mean, just yeah. the, the combination of Switchblade, Kenta, Fale, mm-hmm. and yeah. GOD, that's a lot of star power right there. That's <laughs> a lot. So we have to keep Bullet Club relevant which is mm-hmm. not what I would have done for the record. I would have basically taken Bullet Club off of TV and had them made a, a, a grand return. But yep. so they decide they want to keep Bullet Club relevant. So we, we have to establish somebody as the quote-unquote new leader of Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. When you look at the roster, what were the options? Yeah, and what are the odds? Let me, let me put this out here to you. I don't know if anybody's thought of this. You know, with Evil and Sonata, of course, we know that that uh, they were a tag team for, for quite a while. What are the odds here that this is all just a, a ruse, or this is all just a, a plot for Sonata to go and join Evil over in Bullet Club? I mean, it it could happen. And would that even be a good thing? Would that even would that help Sonata? Because I'm I'm still I'm trying to think of possibilities to help this friggin' guy get some uh, get up higher on the card. I feel like it's got to be Tana. Because I, I feel like you have to completely change Sonata's character. Mm. 
Like you, you have to unleash Sonata. Whereas if if you sent Sonata to Bullet Club, yeah, he would look pimp as hell in a suit and a in a pair of sunglasses, but he'd still basically be playing the same character. He would still be like that that silent assassin type. Yeah, yeah you got to switch it up. Yep. And 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 the other problem with Bullet Club right now is when you look at the roster, they've got like thirteen freaking guys in Bullet Club right now. We could run into, and we definitely don't want to run into the NWO scenario in WCW, right? Where it's like everybody was in the NWO, whether you were uh, OG or whether you're a Wolfpack, right? It was like every friggin' person was in NWO and it lost all of its meaning. The NWO was really, really cool until everybody got in it. In, in elevating Yujiro, in yeah. elevating Ishimori, and, you know, bringing in Dick Togo. And bringing in evil, you, you continue to Gato is out there, you know, fucking with Okada because that's basically his storyline, right? Like, I, I feel like Gato at this point is becoming Bobby the Brain Heenan to Kazuchika Okada's Hulk Hogan. Like, you know, like if you're going to be screwing with Okada, Gato's in your corner. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, and, and that's fine. I can get behind that. But it's like, as you look up and down the card, once Bullet Club returns, Switchblade and Kenta and Fale and Evil and and it's just on and on and on and it's too much. Do we? I know you follow. I, I've been obviously I've been following it closer now, especially that I've become totally disenfranchised with WWE lately. But um, when it comes to New Japan, I know you follow it way more closely than I do. Where the is there any word on loosening the travel restrictions going to Japan yet? Um, I have heard some conversation about easing travel restrictions for Japanese residents who are not currently in the country. That doesn't um, help us. Well, no. that, that could get us a Will Ospreay. Uh, that could get us a Kenta. Osprey lived in Japan? Yeah, Osprey moved to Japan a little over a year ago. Okay. So there's some hope there, you know, and just those two guys would be a huge injection into the New Japan roster right now. That's for sure. Because I'm thinking, you know, when we start getting close to G1 season without some of these big names missing, I mean, the G1 is going to be kind of lackluster. Well, and well, kind of to go along with that is the summer struggle tour, right? Like I, I watched the first show this morning and it was it was pretty good. And mm-hmm. then I look at the show for tomorrow morning, and it's basically the same show. And they don't even have cards announced for most of the rest of the tour, but it's like they're they're running shows like every other day, sometimes back-to-back nights mm. through the entire month yeah. of August. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? And it's almost like they're, they're trying to run three times as many shows because we can only have a third of the people inside of the venues, but we need the ticket revenue. So we're going to run three times as many shows. And yeah. I, I, I feel like oversaturation of a lot of this talent is could become a real issue by the end of August. You know, because you're going to not only burn everybody out, we're going to see just too much rinse and repeat. Right, we're gonna we're, you know, not gonna venture into SmackDown tag team. Well, like, but uh, I love watching Shingo Takagi matches. We were just talking and ranting and raving about how great Shingo is. I don't need to see like fifteen Shingo matches over the course of August. No, no, no. You can't. Uh, you're gonna end up overexposing, <coughs> and that's been one of the real strengths 
with New Japan. You know, we talk going into the New Japan Cup or how many first time matchups that we had. You know, we don't want to ruin that. So, I, and I understand, you know, they need to make money at the same time too. So it's a, there's a delicate balance there that hopefully they can find. You know, of being able to still pay these guys and still pay the bills, being not overexpose the talent, right? So delicate balance. I don't, I don't envy the people in charge, really, Jeremy. It's, it's going to be tough. Delicate balance is a good way to go back to evil and Hiromu because mm-hmm. I, I feel like we have to do the same with evil right now. This match goes 33 minutes and 57 seconds. And I understand that when it comes to a New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP World Heavyweight Championship main event match, you expect a matchup that's 30 minutes. And I actually thought the pacing of this match was pretty good because because you had Evil trying to slow things down, show off his power. You have Hiromu, who realizes that I have to hit Evil five times for every time that he's going to hit me. So it's all stick and move. And every time Hiromu's trying to get in offense, the, the pace of the match picks up. I'm going to have a really, really hard time watching 30-minute-long Evil matches mm. um, for, for the next few months when he starts doing a heavyweight style. Yeah, and it's going to be rough on him too, right? Having to work these the style match every time. And so we default back to shenanigans. And there were a lot of shenanigans inside of this matchup with Hiromu. And you talk about delicate balance. That's going to be the trick is finding the balance between the shenanigans. I can only watch Dick Togo with the freaking wire come in and choke somebody so many freaking times. Every time I hear that name. But it was like, it was like three times in this match that he came in there to choke out Hiromu with the freaking piano wire. And it's like, if I'm going to have to watch this for the next even three months, it's going to be a long three months. It's a long three months of dick to go. Lots of dick to go. There's just... <laughs> uh, the comedy is built in there. It's, it, it's great stuff. I, I, I Choppy, choppy, your PP. Shout outs to Dick to go. <laughs> um, so Hiromu absolutely gets himself over in this match. Hiromu, as far as I'm concerned, is a certified bona fide main event freaking star at this okay point. Okay. Hiromu's just fantastic. He, he's yeah. he's absolutely one of the best in the world. I I think that you pull the trigger on on him being the first junior and uh, heavyweight champion, same. Yeah, you gotta pull the trigger on it. But this I, is the guy to do it with. I feel like you've got to wait. You got you got to wait until we can actually have fans in there and and freaking fans losing that. F- these fans wanted to get behind Hiromu so bad. They wanted to chant for Hiromu. They just wanted to 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 get on Hiromu's side and and coax him through to victory, and they just couldn't. Do you do you have him win the G one and have him win at uh, Wrestle Kingdom? Well. Number one, I don't think Evil is going to be the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion going into Wrestle Kingdom. Absolutely. Um, so I, I feel like it depends who's going to take the title from Evil, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's the big thing because we have the, the show in the baseball stadium at the end of August. We do. Um, at the end of this match, we would see you know, they, they keep the beatdown going on Hiromu. Ishimori comes out and challenges for the junior title, so we know what's next for Hiromu. Not only do we continue the feud between LIJ and Bullet Club, 
Ishimori and Hiromu is a quality junior program that I can get behind. Yep. Naito comes out and makes the save. And suddenly we don't have laughing and joking around and popping Sonata, you know, like this is the most focused and dare I say angry, dare I say non-tranquilo version of Tetsuya Naito that we've seen maybe ever. Mm -hmm. He's fired up and he tells evil, listen, your rental time of holding those belts, it's over. Yeah. And Naito wants a rematch for the titles. If we're if, if this was all just a short-term thing to elevate evil to a main event status, elevate him to the stand-in leader for the poser club. Yeah. And we just end up putting the titles back on Tetsuya and Naito. I could absolutely see Hiromu Takahashi challenging Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship inside of Wrestle Kingdom and the Tokyo or, Dome. We were talking Mr. Kazuchika Okada. What if he uh, gets the title back and let's say maybe Hiromu wins the G1? Okada versus Hiromu at Wrestle Kingdom. That would be – I would – I'm down for it. I, the match was fantastic in the New Japan Cup between the two of them. I, I And I did feel like they were holding back a little bit, maybe for some future business. So I, I could absolutely see that. But I, I feel that if you're going to do Wrestle Kingdom, if, if you're going to do the IWGP World Heavyweight title and a junior going to hold both belts, right, I feel like you've got to do it against Naito because then you also get the dynamic of number one, it's the LIJ split. LIJ is still very uneasy since evil has left. Okay. Mm -hmm. That, that storyline checks out, but you also get master versus student because sure. Tetsuya Naito was one of the, the, the people that trained Hiromu Takahashi. Right. And that's why those two guys wanted to face off so badly at the anniversary show before coronavirus hit. So right. I, I could absolutely see them going with that story. But I think Okada and Hiromu might even be the better match. I feel like the better story is Naito versus Hiromu. So either one, and I would lean more towards Okada and Romu. That would be contender for match of the year for me. Oh, absolutely. And maybe even more than that. I think especially if you can do it at Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, that would blow the roof off, I think. Yeah, I, I think it, so too. It, it, what a moment for Hiromu to win, uh, especially on that stage, especially you know if we can get a significant uh, um, crowd in the arena by that time. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that, that's a big thing and that would be a huge and uh, just not just new japan that'd be huge in professional wrestling in general that would generate some noise when, when it comes to new japan right now is hiromu the biggest star in new japan pro wrestling right now i he I, and i say that in terms of strictly the people watching new japan like it, it feels like everybody likes hiromu everybody supports hiromu i never hear anybody say anything bad about hiromu the fans are the most behind hiromu like yeah okada is a bigger star Makabe is mm -hmm. a bigger star. Tanahashi's a bigger star. But when it comes to fan support in the buildings right now, Hiromu is the biggest star in the company. Followed closely by Shingo. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. Um, I would say that it's that it's 
like a toss up or closer to a tie, but uh, Hiromu's elevated himself a little bit higher. But like I said, Shingo's, you know, nipping at his heels there. It, it's almost like Naito was two years ago when everybody wanted him to win the G one, and then everybody was just, oh, it's time. He's gonna he's gonna go into Wrestle Kingdom. He's gonna end Okada's title reign, and you know he's he's finally gonna get his moment. And he well he would get his moment, but it would be a couple of years later at Wrestle Kingdom before he finally won in the main event. But it it feels like, oh my god, like it was Kota Ibushi. Everybody loves Kota Ibushi, and Kota Ibushi should be the world heavyweight champion. Well, now yeah. I kind of feel like it's it's Hiromu. Yeah. No, I agree. And one thing I, I will say about this show, too, one thing that I really like about this one in particular, and it does seem to be kind of the norm with New Japan Pro Wrestling, is that I love the way that the card is, is built. You know, we start off small, and we, we build to our, to our crescendo. Yeah, the, the, they do this better than most other companies out there, you know, especially when we compare it against, you know, the big company in, in North America, where it's all over the freaking place. You know, the, the matches aren't in any kind of order or anything that make any common sense. This is, you know, this is the Jake the Snake way to, to book a wrestling match. And we start small and we work up to our main event like we should be. Well, you know, and I, I've had this conversation with Rick tons of times going back to hitting the marks. I'm not even sure which one is necessarily right because I am a fan of the Japanese style of card. It feels more like a traditional fight card to me, you know, where you have like what you expect to be the worst fight and then it leads up to the most important fight, right? Like the championship headlines the show and it, it all makes perfect logical sense. But I do understand in the Western version of professional wrestling, I I understand the logic to a cool down match where you want to, mm -hmm. you want to build them up and then you want to bring them back down and then build them back up. until you get this roller coaster effect. I get it. I just, I don't like it, but I, I do understand the psychology to it. But what tends to happen, and uh, I will say that the, the, the two main guilty parties here would be NXT, especially their takeovers, and some of these AEW shows is they they go they try and go big at, at, the, at the start, but they go too big at the start, and then everything else feels like a come down afterwards. And uh, just it feels like we're, we go up like a huge, huge roller coaster, and then we're just then we take that big dip, and then, then we just kind of coast near the end, and then there might be another little you know jump at the end. You know, that's, that's how these uh, North American shows feel. The The main roster is terribly guilty of it because they want to start off hot and they want that big baby face pop at the beginning of a show. Yeah. How many times have you watched a WWE pay-per-view over the course of the last five years and the best match on the show was the first match on the show? You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of the last time I watched a WWE pay-per-view. <laughs> which you know, spoiler alert is uh, actually going to be uh loosely what our showstopper segment on turnbuckle talk uh, this week is going to be you know are the days of the pay-per-view long are they gone are they are they going away and uh should be an interesting discussion there with carl and myself talking about uh you know the possible death of the the traditional pro wrestling pay-per-view so very interesting go ahead plug turnbuckle talk plug your social media and all that good stuff and uh we'll, we'll let you get out of here man yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll give people, uh, I think, 
maybe a brief um, peek at what we've got on our, our run for this week for Turnbuckle Talk. It's episode 177, man. We're getting close to 200. I think uh, sometime next year we'll hit uh, 200 episodes. We're going to have to do something special for that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our friend, Mr. Dusty Gold, who is uh, looking at uh, going full-time with uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. So some cool stuff in, uh, happening with our, our friend, Mr. Dusty Gold. Um, Seth Rollins claiming that we are currently in the golden age of professional wrestling. Um, yeah. We'll be talking about that. Uh, Edge and Daniel Bryan uh, looks like they are beginning to write storylines for WWE. We'll be talking about that as well. Uh, we'll be talking briefly about the goings on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, and of course, giving the show uh, some uh, some plugs. We'll be talking about uh, Mr. Nick Aldis um, putting out a statement regarding the current state of the National Wrestling Alliance. Our match of the week segment, any breaking news that may happen, and as I just mentioned, talking about are the days of traditional wrestling pay-per-views going to be a thing of the past? So we've got some interesting stuff coming up uh, on there, and of course, if you want to follow us on social media at TV Talk Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There, search Turnbuckle Talk on your favorite podcast listening device. Thanks, Joe. We'll do this again here in about a month. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. That wraps up yet another edition of Destino. Thank you to Mr. Joe Morin for joining me on this week's episode of Destino. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the feed. Just search Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast on your favorite podcast listening device app. Hook us up with one of the five-star ratings or find us streaming online at DestinoPod.com. Find me across all social media platforms at Not in Chargo. Find the show at Destino Pod. I'll be back with an all-new edition of Destino soon as we build up to the summer struggle in Jingu and as I try to wrap my brain around this KOPW title. For those of you that saw the press conference this morning, you know exactly what I mean. More gimmicky bullshit making its way to Japan. I'm not very happy about it. Also, get caught up on stardom and the rest of the matches from Nagoya and Corican Hall. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you back here next time on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Adios. Joke.